Hi, I'm Daniel Budai, and this is the Ecom Show, a podcast where you can learn more about the world of high-performing e-commerce players and marketers. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. Let's grow your e-commerce business together. Hey everyone, today I'm going to talk with uh, Dennis Demori from the distant Arizona, who is an email copywriter. So actually, we have a pretty similar background. Um, he didn't start an agency, he rather uh, wanted to stay a freelancer and a consultant. And uh, he works not only with e-commerce companies, but he works with info product companies, SaaS companies. So he can see multiple industries. And today we will talk about uh, his experience and not just about copywriting, but how e-commerce players can learn from uh, info marketers, info businesses, and also subscription-based software companies. So uh, he has a very versatile experience from the last years. And uh, we will talk about his experience today, also how to create an enticing offer to your audience. And, uh, and also he helps freelancers to get clients. So, uh, so Dennis, he's a very, uh, as I said, he's a very versatile guy. And uh, I'm really looking forward to talking uh, with him today. So stay tuned. I've been involved in marketing since about, 2008 yeah so first uh i did some marketing for small mortgage company and then i got into advertising and i worked for a few different agencies over about a five-year span and yeah. from there i got into freelancing so i started to do some content writing which led me into direct response marketing and email marketing so it wasn't a straight line I did a few other things first. Then like a lot of people that work online, I kind of fell into it. It was never my plan. So I've been um, an email marketer and, and writing direct response copy since early 2017. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, and I remember when we had the, the setup call for this podcast and it was hard to decide what to focus on because you have so much experience, but we will... Talk about, more, so mostly about copywriting and how to create a great offer, because I know you also focus on that. And you also have experience with not just e-commerce, but uh, SaaS businesses and info products. And there are many principles what uh, e-commerce business owners can use in their own businesses. Personally, I'm also a huge fan of subscription businesses. And uh, we had a call a few weeks ago with a SaaS business owner who, who, who is that, you know, SaaS, so subscription. And uh, we talked about how this could be used more in e-commerce. So uh, about copywriting, I'm really curious how you picked up the, the skills, the knowledge uh, about copywriting. Maybe if you have, uh, you know, some, some of your favorite copywriters, if you could talk about those and uh and what is the secret of good copy? What do you think? If there is uh, so yeah, that's a good place to start. Uh, like I said, I fell into direct response copywriting. I was doing a little bit of content writing before that, some blog posts. And I 
just I, I was so lucky to find out about direct response copywriting and, and one of those copywriting um, Facebook groups. And I was one of those those newbies who had so many questions and I was trying to make sense out of it. So I found out about direct response copy. I think it was January 2017. Mm -hmm. And uh, I what I did was I just kind of like immersed myself. So I was online, I was Googling blog posts, like, what is this? What is that? I started buying books for complete beginners. I know a lot, they'll ask, what are the best copywriting books? But I actually don't think you should start with copywriting books if you don't have a marketing background, which most people don't. So before you even get to the copywriting stuff, I would just read a couple books on, on marketing or direct response marketing to give you that foundation. So before you, you get into copywriting, I would start with No BS Direct uh, Marketing by Dan Kennedy. So that's gonna give you the, the frame of what direct response is all about. Mm -hmm. And then another one I've been digging into just last week, which I think is awesome uh, mm -hmm. and really kind of gives you a comprehensive overview of what marketing is, uh, and how to get started and how to get clients with the one page marketing plan. I was reading a bit of that last week and I was like, this is, I wish I read that earlier on. So I would start with those two books, No BS Direct uh, Marketing by Dan Kennedy and the one page marketing plan, although I don't know the name of the author. Uh, mm. And that's where I would begin. Interesting. I, I need to do some search because uh, I heard about this book as well, but uh... I, I will look it up now. Um, so, so yeah, these two books and what happens when you become more experienced? I, I, I used to be a copywriter, so I know a lot of uh, practices needed. It's, it's not like being an ing engineer, like uh, you have to read the books and you have to know all of the formulas and everything. <laughs> it's uh, really about, you know, being practical and just do it and then you will learn it. Don't be a perfectionist. But once uh, you become more advanced with your copy, you get the first results, then what could uh, take someone to the next level? What do you think? Well, there's a couple of different elements to it. So uh, let's say the first one is that you make education an ongoing thing. Uh, I'll see people ask in Facebook groups, again, or on social media, you know, what is the one book you should read or th those types of questions. And it just doesn't work that way to uh -huh. get good at copywriting and marketing. Uh, you're talking about building a skill and like any other skill, like learning a language or playing guitar, it's, it's something you need to commit to, to for the long term. So when I work with um, with students in my mentorship, I tell them that this is going to be an ongoing thing and try to commit to at least 30 minutes a day where you are studying marketing or copywriting, whether that's reading a book or going through a course or watching a training in some video, but that should be a consistent thing that you do. I still do this all the time. Uh, number two to build off of that is you don't want to be like the perpetual student who's always learning, but you're never doing anything. Yeah. So you got to kind of limit yourself as well. So if you're reading for five hours a day, then your priorities are not where they should be. So on top of that, you need to be practicing and writing every day, whether that's for clients 
whether that's for your own offers, like I have some of my own info products like eBooks and a course, uh, or whether if you don't have any of that for, you could do made up stuff. Or uh, for example, if you have things lying around at home uh, that you can sell on Craigslist, I, I used to do that. I used to like practice and write some ads for my furniture and people would, would respond and say, hey, this is like the best ad I've ever seen on Craigslist. So it was good to hear that because it made me feel like I was on track and like my skills were getting better. Now, as you're working with clients and you're, and you're getting like more advanced in your career, um, I think that a, a big part of it is setting clear expectations with clients. And I talk about this a lot. It's not just being the copywriter, it's also being a consultant and trusted advisor. So uh, you don't want to be the copywriter who just writes copy. Like the client says, uh, I need five emails. Uh, you'll see these on job boards quite a lot. Uh, I, need a, I need a copywriter to write seven emails for me for this product. And whenever I see those posts, I'm like, well, why seven? Like, where is that number coming from? Right? So as a good copywriter, you want to come in as that consultant and start asking. And a lot of that comes from asking questions. Well, what's your goal? Um, why seven? You know, um, what, what are you trying to accomplish here? So to kind of raise your, uh, your status as a service provider and as a freelancer, you need to adopt that mindset that I'm not just doing copy. I'm also consulting with this client and advising them on their business. So I do that with all my, whenever I work with clients, I always try to assume that role uh, so that it's not like client here and you down here and the client's always telling you what to do. Yeah. It's really more like a partnership. So you ask good questions and uh, I'd just kind of guessing, I'd say maybe 20% of what I do is writing the copy. So it's actually not a big piece of it. I, I think, or I know that, I add more value uh, to clients by working on the strategy and the planning and the offers. So all those things that need to happen before you write the copy, like what is the goal? What are we trying to accomplish here? Uh, what is the offer? What are we selling? Uh, how should we package this? What should the price be? How do we present this to people? How do we start to pre-sell it? Uh, do we include any types of bonuses? How do we make this a more attractive offer that people are actually going to want to buy? How do, we, how do we warm up your list so they're excited about this? So those types of things. And then the client's going to be like, oh, yeah, um, you know, that's a good point. Or, yeah, you know, you're right. We should do this. So then by the time you get to the copy, you've already talked about a lot of other things. And the copy is kind of like the easy part. Uh, so to, to, to round, to, to put a cap on that answer, it's not about just writing the copy, right? Um, especially now with things like funnel scripts or AI, where they kind of do some of the copy for you, or you have templates, yeah. the business owners that, that use that type of stuff are not really high level business owners. It's somebody who knows they need copy, but th they either don't have the money to invest in, uh, an email marketer or a copywriter, uh, or they just don't really have that much knowledge about it, but 
they heard they need copy. They know it, right? They're sending an email. They know they need to write something. So they use those type of templates or just try to, or they're just write it themselves. But exactly. You got to, you can, that's a big opportunity for us to come in and say, hold on. Uh, we need to let's take a step back and, you know, start digging into like what exactly we're trying to do here. And, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll do the copy as well, but it's a, uh, it's a more comprehensive approach versus, yeah, I'll just write five emails about whatever. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And um, I think we have the same approach, but uh, we had different journeys in the last few years. Um, as I said, I used to be a copywriter and uh, I uh, started creating the strategy after a while and I hired designers and we became an agency and now we offer even more service. Mm -hmm. But copywriting is still a core skill. And uh, as you said, right. it should be a holistic thing, not just writing something because then you are very um, replaceable then you know people can write some people can write better others they don't but that's still not like being a trusted consultant as you said so right so yeah it's it's crucial because uh, if you are a smart consultant and you understand the client's business and uh, maybe you even have a good network, then you are irre irreplaceable, technically. Or it's very hard to find somebody else like you. And they just don't want to find because it's, it's a lot of time. So yeah, absolutely. So yeah, and to, to, to your point, you need to ask yourself, uh, am I replaceable? Like, can somebody else do this? Can somebody else do what I do? And the answer is, when it comes to copywriting, usually the answer is yes, somebody else could do this and they'll do it for cheaper. Uh, and so you either need to get your copy skill really high, which is what you see with, for example, guys that work at Agora or some of these really um, mm -hmm. well-known, bigger mm -hmm. seven and eight figure direct response brands like B-Shred. Like, they're not just going to work with anybody. You, you, need, you need a good copy ability to do that but there's also a lot of opportunity at those companies that are not like top five or ten percent the companies that are top 20 or 30 or 40 percent mm -hmm. uh can definitely use a lot of help so there's no shortage of businesses that that can use you but it's on you as a service provider to show them what you can do yeah 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 i, I totally agree uh so let's talk about, it's quite related, but still first, I know you really uh, dive deep into this. So what an e-commerce business owner or marketer can learn from other business models like info products, even from freelancers maybe, or, or, or software companies, uh, what they can learn um, and how they should uh, create their offers what they should uh, take into account? What are the main things? Yeah, I think from what I've seen, one of the big challenges in the e-commerce space is that a lot of companies are selling commodities. So it's like you sell yeah. this, uh, I don't know, let's say sunglasses, right? You sell sunglasses, but so do a bunch of other brands. So it's like, how do you make your sunglasses stand out? 
and what most e-commerce brands do, uh, especially with email, is they'll do lots of flash sales, uh, lots of discounts, um, and lots of heavy graphic images in their uh, in their emails that tend to look like ads, right? Yeah, they kind of look like nice flyers, and obviously those things work, right? It's not I'm not saying that they don't work, but since you're asking, what can we learn from other um, other business models, if you look at what people do in info products like uh, ebooks, courses, workshops, and if you look at what people are doing in the coaching space, so they sell group coaching or, or maybe one on one programs or events, is that I think they're stronger when it comes to offer creation. So hmm. uh, they're better at packaging that product and they're kind of forced to be, right? Because if you're selling coaching or if you're selling a course, it's not a tangible product that you can hold in your hands. So you have to work a little bit harder, I think, to, and that's why the copy tends to be longer as well in those types of emails. You need to work a little bit harder to make the sales argument and convince people to buy stuff. So it's a little bit easier, I think, in the the e-commerce space because it's a physical Mm -hmm. product. You kind of know what you're getting even if you, you don't own it just yet, right? You can kind of see that because you're like, yeah, I know what sunglasses are or I know what this, um, uh, this like uh, protein bars, I know what they are, yeah. right? But if I'm, explain, they are good. Yeah. Yeah, if I'm trying to explain a course to you that you don't know anything about, that there's a lot more questions in the minds of the, of the prospect. So uh, I, I think that the opportunity right now with e-commerce is to focus more on um, a couple things that are popular in the info product and coaching space, which would be one is offer creation. <clears throat> so how do we make this more attractive, especially without de- de- defaulting to discounts? <laughs> so how yeah. can we make this sound more exciting, more exclusive, um, Obviously, there, there are things like bundles, which I think works, work well, where you're, you feel like you're getting more value, uh, but you're still protecting your margins. That's one way to do it. Another big thing, and I would say that at least 90% of e-com brands are not doing this, is emphasizing storytelling. Yeah. And if you look at like, like a, a famous example is the Jake Peterman catalogs it was it's just clothes right but they would write these really interesting stories about each item so i think that that's kind of uh one of the shifts we're starting to see in e-com right now where it's less focused on the product and more focused on the story behind the product like a quick example uh when i was in uh in colombia a few years ago they have a brand down there, I think it's called uh, Juan Valdez, which is basically their version of Starbucks. And when you go inside of the, of the, the restaurant, the cafe, right, the coffee shop, you'll see these uh, okay. images. Of Never the, heard about it. Sorry? Yeah, I, I just said that I, I never heard about this company, but uh, yeah, Columbia. okay. but carry on yeah i I understand yeah starbucks basically think colombian starbucks right and when you go inside of the locations 
you'll see huge images plastered on the wall of like the coffee farms and the coffee bean. Yeah. Right. And the story of like how we roast our coffee and all those types of things. And you see a, a few coffee brands actually doing this now uh, that are strictly uh, e-com and don't have any. Starbucks a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Physical locations. So that's a perfect example of how uh, e-com brand can start to tell a story because that creates more of a connection with um, with with the product. So it's not so much about the product. It's about, you know, what is the origin story? Where did this come from? How is it made? What is special and unique about this? Um, that yeah. is the reason people buy right for that status, for that perception of higher quality. So uh, I think that's a huge opportunity for e-com brands if they want to put a little more effort into how they present their products, because that's also going to, I mean, for one, I mean, it's going to do multiple things. You're going to be able to charge more, right? Because their perception of the quality of that product is higher or the status. Uh, you're going to retain customers longer, which is huge, right? That's another big untapped opportunity for every business model. Right, SaaS kind of get it, but e-com, info products, coaching, nobody ever talks about retention. Everyone talks about how to get customers, how to get clients, but yeah. you don't really hear it that much. They don't talk about retention and how do we keep people with us for years? So through storytelling, through offer positioning, uh, those two things are, are, I think are gonna be big needle movers for, um, for e-com, definitely. Yeah, amazing. Um... Maybe one tip that I can add here, uh, and I don't know where this idea came from, but as you said, many companies, they sell commodities. And uh, we had a client who sold uh, expensive chocolate in California. Uh, it was a very nice brand. They were in TV and, and newspapers. So they were not a huge business, but it was a very engaging brand. And the guy was also very just into it as a person. Um, and... Uh, how they promoted it and how they could sell how they could sell chocolate bars for 50 bucks or even more um it you know the the product was a bit uh, specific so it was how was how it was positioned it was a kind of healthy chocolate with a very exotic uh, spices like turmeric or 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 mango or something else and healthy chocolate without sugar um but they focused on telling the process how this chocolate uh, is is made what is the you know the process to manufacture this chocolate because chocolate is such a commodity and uh, there are many products like this like if you sell i don't know bikes or or furniture uh, furniture might be a good example as well because you can uh, tell people how it's made uh, it's it's handmade or made in the US or made in UK or, or um, it's a local brand um, and you can tell about uh, that it's a family business. You can even tell about your family. So, you know, there are many angles, but if you tell about uh, the, the story of the product um, and, and the business and how the product is made, um, I think that that can that can be a real it can make a real difference, um, or 
here here in Hungary we have a we have a nine figure energy drink brand. It's called Hell. It's quite big in Europe. They uh, signed uh, Bruce Willis for for uh, as as their face basically, um, and they created many videos about their factory. How what is done in the factory? How one can of Hell drink is made in the factory because you just drink it and oh yeah it's some sugary water but there is a story how it's made in the factory and it's a very it's a great video so i think big brands they do it very well um especially those brands where yeah they they just sell a commodity like energy drink or or coca-cola you know like something which is just sugary water and they are very good at selling the story um i think and smaller brands then they can definitely learn from these um so um well if i can if i can uh, yeah. just build what you said uh you touched on something which which is also really important and which you see a lot with smaller personal brands like even like me like i'm just one person Generally, uh, I'm, I'm not, uh, I mean, I have a VA, but I'm not like a big agency or a, a large company. And it's transparency. Because you were talking about like taking people through the factory and showing them how the product is made. People like to see that stuff. Because no, people, people are even, I would say today more than ever, people are cynical about buying yeah. from big companies. Yeah, yeah. Right? There's this movement where People want to go to the farmer's market. They want to buy look, to go to the local coffee shop or the local restaurant, support the small business owner. And they want to buy from brands that they feel are transparent about where their stuff is sourced, how it's made, yeah. the working conditions. You know, there's a lot of bad, there's a lot of negative stories about Apple and how their products are made uh, or, or things that happen in, uh, in Amazon's factories, right? People yeah. don't like about that stuff it doesn't make them feel good yeah. about making the purchase so when you hear about how your purchase is supporting uh the um the uh the coffee farmer in colombia that type of thing it's a big deal i mean even uh, i'm just remembering right now american apparel used to do that really well uh that they're they were big years ago i don't even know if they still have stores uh -huh. or people remember them but american apparel was huge they had factories in LA and they used to make a big deal about their employees who were um, usually like, like, uh, like Mexican immigrants. So they would talk about the women who, who made the products. And that is totally different from what you're going to see from Gap or from H&M or any of those types of companies. Yeah. But that type of, of transparency uh, works to your benefit because you can, you as a brand could be like, look, we're not hiding anything. You can see it right here. I even told one of my clients who is, uh, is in the e-commerce space. I said, you know what? It would be really cool if you could just take your phone and just do a video with yourself like this and just show some of your inventory, like show yeah. people where the stuff comes from. It, does, it doesn't even have to be a fancy produced video. Actually, it probably shouldn't be. Just do it with your iPhone and just make a one minute video where you say, hey, I'm so-and-so and I run this company. And thank you so much for, for doing business with us. I just want to show you where, where these products are coming from. 
And people like that stuff because it's kind of like, it's like the behind the scenes access where uh, you feel kind of like an insider and like you're part of this a process. Uh, kind of like, it's kind of like a co-creation type feeling where you, um, you feel more involved with the brand because of those types of things. So transparency is a huge thing. And that's actually something that bigger brands can learn from smaller personal brands because yeah. your small personal brand is to your advantage to be small. And I, I tell freelancers this all the time who try to like make it sound like they're a big agency. And I'm like, dude, you're not an agency. It's just you. So why are you trying to make it sound that way? Like that's actually going to turn some clients away because they don't want to work with an agency. They just want one person to help them with one specific thing. So uh, those types of, 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 of things can definitely be to your benefit. Yeah, yeah. Regarding the, the one-man agencies, I think they just want to seem big, but quite uh, soon they realize that actually it's not a good thing because it alienates pay people or, or clients. Uh, if they think that you are a 100 people agency so i don't think that's a good thing but uh yeah transparency and creating simple videos even if it's not the best quality but sometimes it's hard to explain this to a big business that it shouldn't be uh, great quality but uh, yeah transparency it creates trust um, and I read an article where uh, the French uh, Louis Vuitton or, or Vuitton, I don't know how to pronounce it, uh, Louis Vuitton probably. Um, yeah. They say, they say <laughs> that the reason why one bag is uh, $1,000 or, or minimum $500 is because they are made in France with the best, uh, you know, with the best experts of how to make a bag. And uh, I have, uh, we have a, we have a team member in France and one in India, and uh, they are both uh, close to this company. Uh, they have some friends in this company, and uh, those bags are not made in France. Uh, just the, the label is added there, um, but they can do this. So you know, until people believe it, it's true. Then they can price in this way, and. I, I think it's just one more reason uh, or, or reasoning that why we are so expensive. Ultimately, it's about state status. So, yeah. Um, there is one more thing I want to really ask you, which is uh, pre-selling. Uh, because I think just like storytelling, pre-selling is also very rare in e-commerce and it should be much more uh, common. Um, I think supplement businesses, they are probably the best at this. I can see many supplement brands doing it. They really educate people, info, infomercials. But yeah, what do you think why it's important and how it should be done and, and why? Yeah, so when I think of pre-selling, pre-selling is just another, another word for marketing. So when we pre-sell, it's everything we say before the, the point of, of purchase or the point of sale. Right. So these are two separate, um, two separate events. Okay. And what a lot of people do, and I see this happens with every business model. It's e-com, it's coaching, it's info products mm -hmm. is they go straight for the sale. So it, it goes very quickly from, Hey, you don't know us. And by the way, so here, go buy our product. 
and that that marketing window or timeline gets kind of like crunched down to almost nothing or maybe it's 50 50. so when we talk about pre-selling it's hugely important because it helps get your uh prospects in the right frame of mind to purchase your products and effective pre-selling is going to take your prospects from not know anything, knowing anything about you or your product to become a repeat customer. So, and actually, no, actually that's further along becoming a, pre, uh, a repeat customer. That's part of the, that's a combination of marketing and sales. But to, to, before I, I start confusing people, effective pre-selling is going to move people along those levels of awareness. So I understand what this product is, the problem it solves, um, why this product is better than similar products or why it's yeah. different from similar products. products. Right? You see this quite a lot in SaaS. Some companies are, are good at this. You'll go on their page and say like, uh, well, you know, look at our product versus our competitors and to do like, you know, like X's or check boxes or check marks like, you know, we have this, we have this and our competitors don't. So that, that type of marketing is for prospects who are already in that consideration stage where they're comparing. They're like, you know what? I have this problem. I know the solutions that are out there and I know who sells, I know who offers these solutions, but I'm just like, you know what? I just don't know yet. Like, I don't know if I should use Trello or Asana. Or I don't know if I should get coffee from this place or this other place because they kind of look the same to me. So you're trying yeah. to figure out like, okay, how is this one different from the other one, right? So they're in that consideration stage before they uh, before they buy. So um, that's kind of like a, a, a very quick overview of levels yeah. of awareness. But the other thing to think about when it comes to pre-selling is to do it in advance. So. One thing that I do when I'm writing emails, and this is a simple thing to do, it's a simple tactical thing, but most people aren't doing it, is just let people know what's coming up. So if, I have, if you have a new product coming out, why wait till the last minute to tell people? Like you could tell them right now that you're developing it. Like, hey, we're working on this. You, you see this with, um, you know who does this well is guys like Tim Ferriss. Like, mm -hmm. If he has a new book coming out, he's been talking about it for a year, right? He doesn't just launch the book. It's the same thing with movies, like, like big blockbuster movies, like the new Mission Impossible, yeah, or the new Top Gun, because I'm just thinking about Tom Cruise right now. Like they don't just come out. They've been talking about it for at least a year, like, oh, Top Gun 2 is going to come out, uh, you know, end of 2021. And then they're going to show you like a little teaser video. Then they're going to show you like a, a couple like leaked images from the set and it starts going around the media. Right. So people have already been hearing about it for a while by the time it comes out. And the same thing with book launches. Uh, some authors like Tim Ferriss are good at this and are like, okay, I'm going to work on this book. This is going to be the topic. These are the people I interviewed for the book. Uh, here's a rough draft of the, uh, the table of contents and those types of things. So 
by the time the product actually comes out, people are already pre-sold on it. And they may even do pre-orders, right? Where you can buy the product before it's even been sold. And that's, a, that's yeah. something, that's a little trend that's been happening now in the info product and coaching space is that before you even create a product, you try to sell it. And if nobody buys it, you don't make it. Yeah, so uh, when it comes to e-commerce, yeah. I see no reason why you can't start talking about your products in advance. Like for example, uh, right now is it's uh, beginning of January, right? But if you're planning on doing something for Valentine's Day, which is about five weeks from now, why can't you talk about it right now? You can let people know, hey, keep your eyes on your inbox. We're going to be doing this uh, for, for Valentine's Day. And you can do emails that are completely dedicated to, to pre-selling. Or you could just mention it like in the PS. So you have your normal email and then the PS, oh, by the way, we have this product coming out. Or by the way, if you've been experiencing this problem, we have this that's gonna solve it for you. Or if you've enjoyed our other products, if, you, if you've enjoyed our other, um, our other uh, supplements, you're gonna love this new pre-workout that we've been working on. It's called this, and it's gonna do this and this for you. Now, it's not available yet, but in, this is something else you can do. If you're interested in hearing more, you know, add your, your name over here so our, our software can tag you so you know when it's coming out. So that's another thing that you can do, like wait lists, where people are opting in, they're telling you, I wanna hear more about this. But what I see happen quite a lot in, in, in all the biz models and also in the e-com space is you just launch products, you just start promoting. Hey guys, this new thing is available today. Go to the store, check it out, for, and you can get 10% uh, off. And it's like, it, it seems kind of rushed to me. And obviously I know this is a challenge with lots of things going on, but I, at least for the email marketers that are working with clients, you can bring up those conversations with clients. Like, like when I work with clients, I try to do minimum, at least the 30 day promotional calendar. And we'll talk about it and say, look, is there anything specific you want to promote on these days or in these weeks? Yeah. Let's be a little proactive here instead of just kind of like going email by email, not knowing what we're going to do. So if the client is willing to do that, then that's, um, that's great because now you can do those types of things and uh, you're going to have better results down the road. It's not going to show itself right away, not in the, the pre-selling or marketing stage, but it's all the setup, right? It's all the setup. So then when you're finally are to the point where you're going to sell, you've already done a lot of the, of the, of the pre-selling so that the customer has already thought about how this is going to help them, why they want it, how it's going to benefit them. They've already thought about the different options, right? You've gotten that stuff out of the way. Uh, yeah. If you look at the high ticket coaching space, they have a huge problem with this stuff because they try to sell people right away. And then they, they've talked to people on the phone for an hour and people are like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I need to think about it. Like they're not ready, yeah. but good marketing is going to uh, isolate those problems, explain why you're different, explain why you're, you're better than all the other options, explain what's gonna happen if you don't do this, right? The cost of inaction. So by the, by the time you get on the phone, 
this is a lesson for freelancers. Like, but by the time I get on the phone with a client or I should say a potential client, they're pretty sold on working with me, right? They've been following me on social media. They've been reading my emails for months because they're on my email list. Uh, maybe they bought some, one of my, my lower end, uh, I should say lower end, but, but cheaper products, right? Kind of like to get a taste of what Let's my products are like. Yeah. So by the time we get on the phone, it's like, yeah, dude, I've already seen you on YouTube. I saw your, your video with Danielle. And, uh, you know, I feel like I kind of know you. I understand what you're about, what you do, how you help clients. So then it's just kind of like ironing out a couple details before we start working together. But that's what good marketing it does. It, it takes the weight off your shoulders when it comes to, this, to the sales part of your business. Yeah, I think that was an amazing summary. It's hard to add anything to it. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. Um, really, uh, as you said, um, not just product launch lists, but early bird before holidays. We we did it for Black Friday around September, October. We already started emailing the list that uh, Friday. It's coming, um, but if you want to get the best offers before the big cry, and many people subscribe, and uh, the open rates and click rates were crazy, um, like 67% open rates and and 20% click rates, which are, you know, in e-commerce. So this works very well. And um, if you just try to, you know, go to Google ads and tap conversion ads with some discounts, and that's your funnel uh, with a simple product page without any stories uh, telling, then probably you can get some money out of it for a while, even some nice you know, figures, high numbers, but I don't think that's a sustainable business and, and that's just not a brand. So all of these things, what you mentioned, storytelling, uh, pre-selling, educating people, setting expectations as well, and just warming up, warming them up. It makes a ton of sense, not just in info products or movies, but, uh, but in e-commerce as well. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really where the money's made. Uh, it's in this type of higher level thinking and thinking long term about how we can, how this brand can succeed. Because anybody, like you can, you can hire anyone just about to write a, a simple email that says, hey, go to our store right now, everything's 40% off. Like anybody can do that, right? So the type of conversation we're having today is how do we move beyond that? Because I know that's what a lot of yeah. brands do in the e-com space. Even with info products, they shoot themselves in their foot because they do lots of, of discounts all the time. That stuff's works. Yeah. Not that it doesn't work, but there is a, I think a better way that's going to help you achieve your goals um, over the long term to make sure that this is a sustainable brand. Because if you look around, uh, if you look around like the internet marketing space, if you look at a lot of the, the, the courses that have been sold, uh, a lot of them aren't around anymore. They, they were around for a little bit, made good money, 
and then they stopped selling. So the, the yeah. companies went under because they didn't have these types of things in place. So, um, so yeah, there's, there's levels to this, right? And, and that's type of the kind of the conversation we're having today is how do we move from one level up to another? Yeah, yeah. because you do the, if you do the same thing again and again, then the same thing will happen and probably you will even bankrupt after a, after a while. So yeah, learn from Dennis, what he shared uh, with us today. Um, if anyone wants to find you, how they can, uh, how they find you, where they can reach out to you. Yeah, you can, you can Google me and you're going to find me on all the, all the uh, social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just search my name, Dennis Demori. I've also got a, a YouTube channel with some videos on there. But the best way to hear about me uh, or hear from me more often is joining my email list. So if you go to my website, DennisDemori.com, D-E-N-N-I-S-D-E-M-O-R-I, you'll see an opportunity to join my email list. I send emails right now, usually about five times a week, that talk about this stuff. They talk about email marketing, offers, positioning. Uh, getting clients, making more money with your list, all those types of topics. So that's the best way to, to hear from me often. Amazing. I will subscribe. I didn't know that you send so many emails five times a week. That's, that's great. Frequent emailing is, is crucial. That's another well, topic what we could talk about next time. Yeah, I started with yeah? daily. Or if you want now. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I used uh-huh. to do seven days a week in the beginning. And then I kind of uh-huh. also to prove to myself to, that I could produce content that often. And then I was like, you know what? Maybe I don't need to do it as often. So I cut it down to once a week and I was uh-huh. just sending emails on the weekend. But I think the, the issue there is I, I was getting a little bit rusty. And then also, uh, if you're just sending in one email a week, right? Even if you have a good open rate, right? Say it's like 30%, 70% never yeah. saw your email. And what if it went into the promotions tab or what if it went into spam that day or what if people just didn't read it? And so they don't see your email for the next week. So now you've gone two weeks where nobody heard from you and the competition is getting a little more fierce now, at least in the internet marketing space in the inbox. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to go kind of go back. So now I'm doing usually about five emails a week, like Monday to Friday. And, uh, I think that works better. I, you just build a better relationship with your list when they're hearing from you more often. And if you're writing emails, again, that have stories or offer insights or entertaining in some way, people are going to want to see them because I know that I'm not the only email marketer they're following, right? Or the only copywriter. They're on other lists. Yeah. Uh, so at least for my niche or my industry, People want that information. I know, and I do it myself. I'm I'm subscribed to tons of lists. So uh, if the content is really good, people are going to want it. And so I'm I'm back on five emails a week right now. We'll see if that lasts. But uh, right now, I don't have any plans of changing that. That's totally, it it totally makes sense. I I, I get that. And as you said, if the content is good, then, uh, then five emails is totally number maybe what you can also do is after a half a day or even one you can send out uh, the same email with a different subject 
to those who didn't open the, the last email. Because ju just as you said, because it went in spam or promotion or something. I don't recommend this with every email five times right. a week, but uh, maybe with one, two emails a week because your inbox rate will decrease if you too many people who never open the email. So it just yeah. take care of yeah, it. Yeah, totally. This is just a tactic. Yeah, I know. I've, I've been lazy about doing it myself, but that, that is a good idea for emails that you you really want people to see. And then, uh, and the other yeah. part of it is just being an email marketer. I'm, I'm doubling down on email. Like I'm active on social yeah. media and we're doing an interview like today, right? But ultimately I yeah. think of like my email list as the number one place to be. Cause that's where I talk about this stuff in detail. That's where I promote my products and services. So just as a way yeah. to kind of simplify my as well and also focus on a channel that I know works. Uh, that's why I, I decided to go back and increase the frequency of my emails because uh, I, I, it's a platform I own, right? Uh, this is a separate conversation, but it's a platform I own uh, that I wanna focus on because it's, it's just, it's tough with social media, right? Yeah. A lot of people are just not seeing the stuff in their feed on all the platforms. So emails for right now is, is a way around that where you can still get people who are a little more focused on, on the content that's getting put in front of them. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Email, email is still amazing and uh, uh, you are pretty strong at it. So you should definitely focus on that. Um, yeah. So Dennis, uh, thanks for joining us today and sharing all of this uh, knowledge uh, with us. And uh, thanks for uh, everyone who listened to us today. Um, this uh, podcast episode, the audio will come out a few weeks from now on uh, Thursday. Every Thursday, we release a new podcast episode. Um, so stay tuned, everyone. And uh, yeah, thanks, everyone. And, uh, and Dennis, and uh, see you soon. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ecom Show podcast. If you want to learn more about e-commerce, retention marketing, check out our Facebook group called Top 3% E-commerce Email Marketing or check out our website, thebudaimedia.com. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. See you in our next episode and don't forget our goal. Grow your e-commerce business together.